Imagine that. Me, Vince McMahon. Imagine that. Here I am on WCW television. How can that happen? Well, there's only one way. You see, it was just a matter of time before I, Vince McMahon, bought my competition. That's right. I own WCW. So therefore, in its final broadcast tonight on TNT, I have the opportunity to address you, the WCW fans. I have an opportunity to address you, the WCW superstars. What is the fate of WCW? Well, tonight, in a special simulcast, you'll all find out. Because the fate, the very fate of WCW is in my hands. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Matt Madness Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Ron Pashery Jr. Was not slated to be on this week, but uh, due to the lockdown, had nothing else to do, so figured I might as well join these guys. I am joined this week by my good friends, Ek2 Fly, Eric Trembicki, and Mr. Wednesday Night Live. We call him Alo. The ladies call him Balo. I guess today it's Mr. Wednesday Afternoon Live. <laughs> yes. Uh, we are recording this right around noon on Wednesday. Uh, we are reviewing the final Monday Nitro, uh, the the final nail in the coffin of WCW. Uh, first thing I want to say, I had to unfollow Ken Shamrock uh, yesterday on Twitter because now we, we know I'm a huge supporter of Ken Shamrock in the WWF. Think he's one of the most underrated guys ever. Thought he was amazing in the ring. Thought he had a really good, fun character during the Attitude Era, and a lot of kind of uh, like forgotten favorite matches. But uh, he's on Twitter yesterday complaining about why are people like on the news and in the government allowed to go to work, and the rest of us aren't. And it's like, dude, shut the fuck up. Like there, there's a reason. <laughs> Those Whoa. people have Mr. to do. McGee's not gonna like that. <laughs> those people have to do their jobs. They are essential uh, workers. Hello. Whereas, yes, Alo <laughs> as well. Essential. You know, has to. The mail has to be distributed. The the mail's not gonna distribute itself. Um, and I'm kind of tired of people who like claim to be so tough and so strong, like whining about everything. So Ken. Uh, you managed to make yourself look like the dickhead in a feud you had with Tito Ortiz 15 years ago. Uh, we'll always champion your WWF career, but I'm done with you as a human being. So, shut up. Um, and before we get into the final Nitro, any uh, any like general wrestling stuff or anything uh, anyone has thoughts or opinions on? Um, I guess I kind of want to just get you guys' opinions on what we've seen thus far with the empty arena shows. So I haven't personally watched any of it, but I've seen. Obviously, I scroll through Twitter and I see clips. Is it accurate that WWE changed the way they're presenting their empty arena as a, like a response to AEW doing a better job of it? Partially, I think they should have written me uh, like when well, I'm trying to remember what was it? I guess it was SmackDown, which was the first empty arena show. Right when they first started going into it, I was like, man, he 
like they should have put people in the crowd or like after your match, like you should have just cooled off in the crowd. And then we got raw and it was the same thing as SmackDown. And then AEW was from the jump, you know, you had heel, you had heels on one side gambling. You had, mm. you know, baby faces coming in the crowd. You had interactions from like the, I believe it was Kip Sabian and Colt had like a nice interaction after Kip Sabian lost his match. Um, I thought it was excellent. Um, I actually was wondering when I caught a little bit of Raw um, or Monday night, I was wondering if I can't remember if the previous weeks, uh, if they were facing the stage similar to how AEW was. I don't believe that was the case. Um, But the thing I think they should have did is they should have followed up and they should have been throwing uh, wrestlers in the crowd. Yeah, the thing I saw was that they changed their camera angle to kind of mirror what AEW was doing. I guess maybe AEW was showing like less of the arena than WWE was. They were doing like the Ring of Honor hard camera where it like faces the stage, so you're looking less at the empty seats. Right. Halo, you had something you wanted to say? Yeah, I agree. I thought the AEW uh, dynamic of having the, the superstars in a crowd was actually pretty fun. But WWE not doing it, well, they were the first to actually do the empty arenas. Them not doing it, I don't really blame them, but having somebody in the crowd would be entertaining. But I understand, like, their whole part of, like, keeping their superstars away for social distancing, because something else I wanted to talk about was they're taping WrestleMania, I believe, today. Today and tomorrow, the tape in WrestleMania, and I thought I believe the next two, the next two Raw and SmackDowns were taped already as well. And if you guys haven't heard, Rey Mysterio and Dana Brooke, I think they have the coronavirus. So yeah, I, Dana, saw, Dana, Dana, I saw that. Yeah, so Dana Brooke was pulled from the Six Pack Challenge, and Rey Mysterio was scheduled to challenge for the U.S. title, but now. Andrade and Angel Garza, they're going to challenge the Street Profits for the tag title. So I I, I, I kind of applaud WWE on their take of, like, since WrestleMania is going to happen in the empty arena to just tape it now and give these guys at least two weeks off so they don't really have to be in contact wrestling each other and stuff like that. But I don't really – I'm don't really not I'm not really going to knock them for not having guys in the crowd because they're trying to uh, – keep everybody as from as from a distance as possible, even though wrestling is still actually going on. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's a crazy time. And I guess maybe I should have let off with this, but obviously, you know, I'm someone who three weeks ago, my feeling was like, this is ridiculous. This is overblown. This is a story like the way they present snow uh, on the news. Like everybody's making a bigger deal out of it than it needs to be. And then, obviously, as like news as it started moving further west, like coming out of Asia and into Europe, and you start hearing the stories of how quickly so many people are getting it and how many people are, are dying from it, you obviously start to get a sense of like, oh, maybe this is not like a joke. Maybe this isn't something that we're just freaking out about for no reason. Um, clearly, this is a big deal. Clearly, a lot of people are in danger right now. So I hope that anyone listening to this, you are listening to this from the comfort of your home. I hope that none of you are going out into the world putting yourself at risk or putting your loved ones at risk or putting anyone else's loved ones at risk. I hope that we can kind of help do our part to provide you some level of entertainment for, you know, whether it's an hour or 90 minutes uh, every week that we can kind of keep you occupied and entertained. Um, and I don't know. I feel like maybe we're a little bit lucky in a sense that we get this newfound free time and hopefully you find some ways to, to make the most of it. Um, 
So I don't know. That's kind of my my feeling on the whole thing is like I hope more of us are realizing how big of a deal this is and we can all kind of take a break for a little while to make sure less people die than have to. Because uh, I know all of us know someone who's old enough to be at risk. I know all of us know someone who maybe has suffered from cancer in the past or is maybe going through something like chemotherapy now or has some type of kidney issue or heart issue. There are a lot of people that we know in our lives that are more at risk than we might be. You know, I'm not worried about myself getting sick. Even though I am kind of old at 40, about to be 41 in a couple of months, I'm not worried about dying myself. But uh, there are plenty of people I know who are at more of a risk than me. So, like, I'm worried about that. But are you guys ready to jump into the final Monday Nitro? Yes. So did either of you actually watch this WCW broadcast like when it aired. I did. Okay. And what were you, how old were you at this time? I guess that's where we should start. I My favorite segment. Nine. Where were you when this happened? I was nine. Okay. So Eck, I'm assuming you were the same age. His birthday passed already. Ten. Okay. So you were, t- you were ten. a newly minted ten year old. Yes, Double sir. digits for Eck. So like where were you, like, in Latin, nine years old? What, what was nine-year-old Ayla? What were you, like, third grade, fourth grade? Uh, fourth grade. Okay. So, I, I used to watch Nitro Live at a, at a certain point. So, this was before, like, I really, like, would dig for dirt sheets or whatever. And this is like in the whole AOL, AOL dial-up days when you had to be, when you had to plug the, phone, uh, the internet jack into the phone and you couldn't use the phone. So my mom probably on the phone or whatever. So I remember turning on Nitro and I see Vince and mind you, Nitro's three hours. Well, start, well start, actually Nitro starts at eight o'clock and I'm saying to myself, like, am I on the right channel? <laughs> like, wait, this, this, is, this isn't USA. And I see Vince because I had no idea Vince bought WCW over the weekend. So for me, I'm like, what the hell? So, uh, so that pro- opening promo is the first thing I see, and I'm like, oh my god, like, I, I can't believe it. And and then as the, the kid in me is like, I get so excited because it turns into like lunchroom talk, lunchroom table talk, or like hangout talk. I'm like, oh my god, what about Stone Cold versus Goldberg? Who's better? The Rock versus Booker T? <laughs> who's better? Uh, Scott Steiner versus Triple H? Who's better? It's like now we can get these matches, and boy, we'll be wrong for the duration of the invasion angle that we didn't get any any of these things but like throughout the entire he just show, got one of the ones you said yeah but throughout uh-huh. yeah yeah but throughout the uh the duration of the show i'm like what's going on what's going on and i gotta give it to wwe for being quick on their feet by adding shane mcmahon owning wcw to the wrestlemania match and that played a, a huge part in the story and something i wanted to bring up you already know the guys had those guaranteed contracts, and WWE chose not to pick up a lot of them. But the guys that accepted the buyout were Booker T, uh, DDP, and Buff Bagwell. But as you know, Buff Bagwell was fired after that abysmal Raw match he had with Booker T. And some guys that came a part of the deal uh, that appeared during the angle, Landstorm, Sean O'Hare, Chuck Palumbo, Mike Awesome, Hugh Morris, Stacey Keebler, Tori Wilson, Reno, Johnny the Bull, Stamboli, Mark Jindrak, and Billy Kidman, Shawa Guerrero. Gregory Helms, Chronic, and some of the guys that I didn't even know that actually were picked up, but that was sent to to developmental. Uh, One of my favorites, Elix Skipper, uh, Kiwi, Mark Jindrak, uh, 
who else is one in here? Jamie Noble was also down there. Shannon Moore was sent to developmental. And as you know, the Hogans, the, the Halls, the Scott Steiners, Lex Luger, they had those big guarantee contracts and decided and staying, they decided in play, they decided to stay to stay home. But like throughout this entire show, I remember like watching with and then at the point you get the simulcast and on Raw, Vince was doing stuff about it on Raw, and then Nitro has Vince doing stuff too. So watching it it's like, oh my god, like what's going on? It's like the whole night it was just like an intriguing night. Like what the hell's gonna go on? Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Eck, how about you? Um I'm trying to, I, I was not watching the, the WCW version. I only watched the, the raw segments. So it's it's funny because I watched the first episode of Nitro several times. I don't think I've I've never, I know for a fact, I've never watched this episode in its entirety. So there was some um, good parts. There's some stuff that I feel like when um, WWE does like their Monday Night War segments, you know, you only get like the raw angle except from, except for like the the Shane part. Um, I loved Flair's promo. Um, and you know, there, there was some really, there was some stuff we'll get into and talk about, like there were some stars that I forgot that were wrestling in WCW. Yeah. So for me, uh, this was, this aired March 26, 2001. So almost exactly 19 years ago to the day. Angel's birthday. Oh, happy birthday, Angel (laughs) in a couple days. Um, a day. Yeah. I was, uh, about five, six weeks away from turning 22, I was working at Macy's, which at the time was just a goldmine of working, being like the only guy under 40 years old who worked there and being surrounded by a, a crop of girls between the ages of like 18 and 22 working there. It was, uh, as far as that was concerned, maybe one of the best jobs I ever had because every summer it was like a new group of like college age girls that would come in to work for the summer. Every Christmas time over that break, a new crop of college age girls would come in to work during that few months. Uh, and I was like the the only guy that worked there that was within their age range. So a fun time for me in my actual life. Uh, my wrestling fandom at this time was probably had already peaked. And as I've told you guys before, once all like the WCW guys started coming in, like the the Eddie Guerreros and the Chris Benoits and all those guys, and I was like, how am I supposed to root for these guys? These guys have been the enemy all this time, and now they're just part of of my company. Like I, I couldn't have it, so it was like starting to to crack a little bit. But to me, this was like a huge victory that Vince was buying WCW because I felt like I was on like the WWF side of the Monday Night War as it unfolded. And to me, I felt the victory like we did it. Like these guys were beating us a couple years ago, and not only did we beat them, like we ended them. Like Vince overtook them. This was when I loved Vince. Uh, He purchased WCW, and I thought it was like a huge deal, obviously a massive deal in the like – like you said, Ayla, like the dirt cheat world of uh, of wrestling. Like I, I was going, I was on the internet all the time looking up news stories, and this was a huge deal. So I had never watched this episode of Nitro. I definitely was not watching live. Like I n- never really watched them during their run. I definitely was not going to tune in for the last one. Everything that was important we would see on Raw anyway. I felt like, uh, but Mr. McMahon opens the show. Um, 
talks about addressing the fate of WCW. Their fate is in my hands. And I, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. I thought, like, they did a good job of portraying, like, all these employees have no idea what's going to happen now. You know, yeah. like, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen to us? Do, do, do we still work here? Do we still have jobs? Are we going to be part of WWF? I thought that was, like, a cool thing uh, hanging over the whole show. And it was just fun for me to kind of watch that remembering, like, how happy I was, like, that that we were victorious in this war. And I probably felt that more than you guys did because I was obviously a little older than you and probably looked at it a little differently than, than you guys did. But um, the Mr. McMahon opening segment I thought was, was great. Uh, and then, of course, I'm immediately disgusted when I hear Tony Schiavone on the microphone <laughs> advertising their Night of Champions. Uh, but even he like did a good job talking. Is this why you don't watch AEW? Uh, it, it doesn't help. I'll tell you that. <laughs> it definitely doesn't well, he help. barely talks. <laughs> good, and, and he shouldn't. Um, but he t- he did a good job of selling the uncertainty of everything. And I think it's interesting, like just in our lives now, like the world we're living in right now. I know it's not going to last forever, but there's a lot of uncertainty that a lot of people have right now about when we're going to get to go back to work, when their next paycheck is coming, you know, is their job even going to still be there when it's time to go back to work? I thought it was like an interesting thing to look back on this and them selling that point of like not knowing what the future holds for them. Um, so the opening segment uh, from, from Vince X. So as an adult now watching that, like how do you look at this, this opener from Vince? Um, I, I mean, it, remembering how he was a, a full-blown heel at the time, I mean, it's really plays into his character. Um, trying to watch it, like if I was in your shoes, you know, 20 plus years ago and watching this and be like, oh man, like, yeah, I'd be excited. Like, oh, it's over. But in hindsight, looking back, like, oh man, it sucks. Like the, the other guys or an alternative is, you know, being shut down. This really like sucks. So trying to wa- like look at uh, watch it from an open mind, like all those years ago. Again, I only was watching Raw, so I would have probably been happy even as a ten year old. Like, yeah, there there it goes. There's WCW's done. But watching it now, I'm like, ah oh, man, this sucks. This is sad. Vince comes on there, and I'm like, man, what a prick. Almost like the beginning of the end. Like he didn't really yeah. have to try anymore. Yep. So yeah, I mean that's like that's my big thought on it. Um, one thing I did want to point out with mentioning Vince, and I don't know because I, I feel like I stepped away from the, the TV twice while watching the episode, and I almost wanted to rewind and look for it, um, but I guess they only played it on Raw, and it, it makes sense because why would WCW want to play something negative like this except for the end when Vince goes his like speech, the, the simulcast, right. when he says, you're all fired, that's what I would say to each one of you. But they didn't play the segment in the back where they show Jeff Jarrett walking down the hall or finishing a match, and Vince goes, "Ah, well, he's fired or whatever." That was just on Raw, or was that, <laughs> that actually was on Nitro? That, that was that was on Raw. Okay. So yeah, that was the one thing that I kind of had like my eye out, like I was looking for it, and it never came. Yeah. And Alo, how about you, as an adult now watching it? What are your thoughts on on Vince's open? Oh, it's it's so great, and I still get I still get the kind of like the the feeling I did when I was nine years old, like like oh my god, like I didn't I didn't I didn't expect this to see this coming. So the feeling never really changed for me watching this promo. 
Right, like a rare time when you're watching and it's almost like what actually happens on the show doesn't matter because, like, this is an event itself. Like, it's bigger than whatever match you're going to see, whatever, you know, talking segment you're going to see, whatever backstage segment you're going to see. This was bigger than anything else that was going to happen on the show. And it's very rare that, like, a real-life thing overshadows the the wrestling show that you're watching. Uh, Richard, the first one out. Uh, looked like shit even then, almost twenty years ago. <laughs> Have, I know we. <laughs> I know. Oh my god! <laughs> I, <laughs> I know we did. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with that? It? That got more of a pop than I was expecting. <laughs> I I know we did a most underrated show. Have we ever done a most overrated show? No, we did not. Well, spoiler alert: Richard would be my number one most overrated of all time if we ever do that show. He's an overrated promo. All he does is shout. He says the same things every time. Did the same match his whole career. His daughter sucks too. So if we ever do an overrated show, that's my number one. Isn't he on your rush war? No, he got knocked not off uh, for Jericho. So he's not even lucky number five no more. Nope. He's how, However many wrestlers there have been in history, he's maybe third from the bottom. The only people below him are Goldberg. And um, actually, maybe second from the bottom because I don't think there's anybody else I dislike as much. But yeah, he overrated, most overrated of all time. Uh, I-, I love this promo, Pat. <laughs> yeah, it just shouts, promo. shouts nonsense. Uh, <laughs> means nothing. Uh, says stuff that that doesn't doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You got maybe you guys have a more positive feeling on, on Richard's promo. Yeah, definitely, because this was him kind of like laying his heart out to Vince. Like, Vince, you aren't out here doing doing the uh, – Vince basically bought – Vince has the biggest man, basically bought the company with his money. Now with his hard work and blood, sweat, and tears as far as in the ring, uh, work, traveling to the town to town, doing 60-minute matches. And I thought Flair kind of poured his out poured his heart out here trying to show his his like disgust with Vince just buying the company and saying Vince you just can't buy WCW. Yeah, unfortunately for him Vince did and uh didn't work out too bad for Richard. You know, Richard has has had a way more prominent role in WWE the last 20 years than than he probably ever would have imagined. Eck, I'm assuming you also viewed this better than I did. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought it was great. I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, again, since this episode I never watched, I've never heard this promo, so I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think if anyone was going to go out there now, whether you, th- whether you think he's a great promo or if your opinion's an overrated, um, there is no one from that company that could give a farewell speech better than, or, or was even right for it. I mean, the only person probably would have been Sting, but, I mean, that's not really, like, a promo guy. I mean, Flair was definitely the right guy to go out there and throw his finger up to Vince and, you know, give his last hoorah. And, you know, it was cool he claimed because he was there for the majority of his career. It was cool for him to claim this is the greatest wrestling company of all time, yada, yada, yada. I I enjoyed the speech. Which says a lot. Maybe it says a lot about why that company failed, if that was the best guy they could send out there. Jay Lethal is a better (laughs) Ric Flair than Ric Flair is. (laughs) Uh, all right. <laughs> when when did you completely turn on him? When, um, did I miss this episode? No, I I fully turned on him when he said WWE owes him money because of Becky Lynch calling herself the man. And I was like, get uh, the fuck out of here, old man! Like, 
other people have been called a man besides you. Better people so because, than you have been called a man. Because of his senile moment, everything he's done in the past is completely tarnished. It's not that everything he did in the past is completely tarnished. It's just that I'm willing to say the things no one else is willing to admit. Everyone thinks you're supposed to revere Ric Flair. He did the same match his entire career and gave the same promo his entire career. He He's not as great as people say he is. That's legitimately how I feel. You spoke him up on my TV. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just laughing because um, he makes, in his old age, makes, in my I agree with you, he makes a, a ridiculous comment, a ridiculous statement. But in his old age, he, he has that TMZ moment. And you write off everything he's ever done. Ken, Ken Shamrock tweets during this <laughs> pandemic about news reporters still working and how is that essential. And you write him off, but you still revere his wrestling career as something positive. I think Ken Shamrock was... I'll watch a Ken Shamrock match over a Ric Flair match any day of the week. (laughs) I'm willing to say what no one else is willing to. Ric Flair is boring. (laughs) He's been around too long. His his daughter is just as overrated as he is. That's that's my feeling on that. But I do appreciate you going back. Charlotte was your girl. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because there was never a time that that was the case. I did admittedly put Ric Flair on my Rushmore on our first ever episode. You could all go back and listen to it back in uh, on December 15th or 16th, 2016. I did say Ric Flair was on my Rushmore. I also, I don't believe I ever really... Stated myself as a fan of Charlotte. I might have given her credit for credit. some of her runs here and there, but I was never a, I, I was never a Charlotte fan, and I'm proud to say that. Ric Flair, though, you know, I you, you can call me out on that because there were times when I definitely uh, praised Richard uh, in ways I never praised Charlotte. Interesting moment, though. We now go to a Macho Man Slim Jim ad. Which was really, like, a really fun little surprise. I don't know if Macho Man gets as much credit as he deserves as being, like, famous. Not just wrestling famous, but, like, famous famous, where you could ask almost anyone over the age of 30, and they would know who the Macho Man Randy Savage was and could do an impression of the Macho Man Randy Savage. Is he a guy who maybe is not viewed as being as much of a crossover star as he really was? And why do you think that is, if you believe that's true? Or, or I'm sorry, I, I um, didn't hear it. Can you say that one more time? Like, do you think the, that ma- the Macho Man Randy Savage does not get the credit he deserves for being, like, a crossover star the way that he was? I, I would say he does, because I, I think he's... I think maybe he could be revered a little higher, but I, I think that's one of those... One of the f- few, few wrestlers that... Everyone knows who it is. Whether you're your age, my age, even probably a little younger, mm-hmm. you can say Macho Man. Uh, one thing I'll always remember is when he passed away. I remember um, my my buddy store, Advocates Takeout, posted something on their page about him passing. His blog had had a post about it. So you're th- you're saying you believe it's recognized how like how big of a star he actually was? Yeah. And Alo, yeah, you agree with that? Yeah, I agree. It's just the fact that he passed away so long, well, almost, well, almost, well, like nine, ten years ago at this yeah, point. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's ten years. Yeah, but if if he was still around, then I definitely think that he would get more, re- he would be more recognized. But I, I think people 
recognize like the big impact he had on pop culture because he uh, he had the Slim Jim thing for years, the colorful outfits, and um, the rap album. <laughs> Being in, in Sam Raimi's Spider Man against Peter Parker in the cage, I, I think he's I think he's like really cemented himself in pop culture. And just imagine if he was still around today. How much? How much WWE would actually try to you know bring him on TV and have him outside, have him out in the ring in the robes and stuff. So if he was still around, I still think they would try to use utilize him as much as they can. But I think he's definitely mentioned in pop culture. Yeah, I just I just think about it, and it's like obviously Hogan, everyone knows, and like it's well aware, and like The Rock and and Austin. But I always look at Savage, and I'm like, I don't know if he quite gets recognized for how big he really was. Um, and maybe just because he wasn't like a world champion for the to the amount of times that someone like Hogan or The Rock was or or Austin was, and maybe he was never truly like the face because when he was at his biggest, he was there with Hogan, who clearly was bigger than everyone else. Uh, we had a one eight hundred collect commercial. We had an America online commercial. I popped for the collect commercial. <laughs> really dated commercials. Uh, we get Big Papa Pump versus Booker T, a world title versus U.S. title match. How, how dumb of a name is Big Papa Pump, by the way? Like, I, I don't I know it. if I ever really thought about it until I, I was I like, love it. how dumb of a name is that? Like, it's so the stupid. <laughs> big Papa Pump, the Big Bad Booty Daddy, generic freak. <laughs> <laughs> Loved it. Yeah, so Booker T unifies the titles on their last night in existence. Um... Scott Steiner at this point, I think, just got too big, and he was just like not capable of a whole hell of a lot in the ring anymore, which is so crazy because in his prime, he was such a great athlete. And if you watch him in like tag matches from the late 80s compared to this, like you would not even think that's the same guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely not. And especially for this match, it was the last Nitro. He had a guaranteed contract. He wasn't getting picked up. So I was like, he kind of, I, I just, I kind of thought he just phoned it in for the most part. And like the thing with Booker T, this goes back to about the whole, when you're at the, when you're nine years old at the lunch table talking, it's like throughout the show, you'll see like WCW guys doing WWF guys moves. So like when Booker T would do the bookend, I'm like, not to the rock bottom. Right. Or, 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 or later in the show when Kidman would do the kick rusher. Mm-hmm. Like, no, that's the unprettier or or whatever. But 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 I definitely I, I definitely think he phoned it in for the most part. Even the names of certain moves like Booker T sidekick was called the Harlem sidekick. The scissors kick was called the ghetto blaster. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of fun revisiting that stuff. But yeah, I thought Steiner phoned it in. He's like, okay, it's so last night. I got a guaranteed contract. I'm not leaving. I'll sit. At, I'm leaving. I'll sit at home and just collect this money until that runs up. Yeah, I thought he sucked too. Um, but really, yeah, I was never a uh, big Papa Pump guy. Uh, you have to remember, like, even if some of the stuff he did was, like, good or entertaining, I just could not really – it took a lot for me to get past the, like, looking at those guys as my enemies. Like, it, it literally took – like, even if you look back at it, like, Jericho was one of the very few that broke through. And Jericho is a guy who now, 20 years later, I'm like, that was the – this is the greatest of all time. So the person who broke through for me the most was the guy who now I'm like, yeah, he was the best ever. Obviously, he was going to break through. Uh, someone like Ernest the Cat Williams, I enjoyed only because it was a lot of times so bad it was good. Um, <laughs> trying to think who else did I did I like at that time. 
can't remember anybody off the top of my head. But yeah, I, I couldn't get past him uh, just being part of, of the enemy. Um, but uh, he's had some recent health issues, and obviously, uh, despite him being the enemy of mine back from like 1998 through 2001, hope he's doing well. Hope he's doing okay after his health scare. Uh, Ricky Rackman does a 1-800-COLLECT commercial, and I hated Ricky Rackman. And Who one is of the, that? He was like he would do like hosting stuff. I think he might have done like some hotline stuff back then. Okay. He was like a he was like a, a radio DJ. I think he did like heavy metal radio or something like that. But I hated this guy because Howard Stern hated him. And Howard Stern would like talk shit on Ricky Rackman on his show like all the time about how bad he was, how he was unqualified for his job. He kind of talked about Ricky Rackman the way I talk about Rosenberg. <laughs> Like, that he had no talent, no charisma, that he was boring. Like, how did he even get this job? Why does anyone listen to him? Um, we got Vince talking shit on the Florida Panhandle, which was a lot of fun uh, backstage. Uh, then, what the hell, the, the cruise? I don't even remember the Cruiserweight Tag Team Championships. It, they, they only lasted, uh, there was a, after WCW Super Bowl Revenge, there was a tournament. Because basically, the cruiserweight division was always the most consistent thing in WCW. Even at this time, you look at the cruiserweights they had on the roster, we all like majority of them. So the cat was the GM at the time, and he said, since the cruiserweight titles are so popular, we're going to have a cruiserweight tag team title tournament. And that would that would uh, culminate at Greed two weeks prior, and that's when Kid Romeo and Primetime would beat Ray Mysterio and Billy Kidman. So they were the first ever cruiserweight tag team champions. They only lasted those two weeks. So short lived. Yes. Yeah. Don't don't even remember them. I was like, what the hell is even happening? Yeah, they only lasted two weeks. It was that Japanese tag team. I didn't even get what their names were. Like I never oh, even no, heard their names. I love I loved everybody in this match. Uh, the Young Dragons. Uh, uh, the one filthy be, animals. One, yeah, one one of the young dragons. He would be a, a Keo in WWE. Uh, you're I, um, the filthy animals. Billy Kidman, Rey Mysterio, as you know. Rey Mysterio, the horns, worst look he ever had in yeah. his career. My God, pretty brutal. And, uh, yeah, and three count. Uh, Evan Courageous. I liked him. He would get a developmental deal, but wouldn't make it to WWE. But I love Shannon Moore. Shannon Moore, a real underrated guy because you don't hear much about Moore. But definitely, the Cruiserweight Tag Team title, short-lived. I'm glad Eric popped right back in at this time. Because I remember the first time I showed Eric those Cruiserweight Tag Team belts. He's like, what the fuck are those? Because <laughs> <laughs> it lasted two weeks. Those are some horrendous, horrendous belts. Actually, and I, I'll, I'll go on record to say they're the, uh, without a doubt, I mean, it's, with how ugly they are, it's probably an understatement, but it's the ugliest WCW belt of all time. Wow. Well, it's it might be the but, ugliest but, but, And then at the, at the same time, I I'm, I revere. I would say almost every WCW belt is a good looking belt. Uh, yeah, I think for the most part they they had nice belts. Um, we got Trish celebrating with Mr. McMahon. I'll bury the big gold, pass, bury it. Uh it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> It's fine as far as world titles go, I guess. 
It's terrible. <laughs> as, as it's so kid, overrated. And you know, as a kid, it's like, oh my god, more belts. Oh my god, more belts. That's gonna, it's amazing, more titles. But I'm like, oh my god, this belt is fucking horrible. It was terrible. <laughs> it was so big, <clears throat> clunky, and ridiculous. Uh, Are you we, talking about the big old? No, the cruiserweight tags. <laughs> I'm kidding with the big and clunky. Yeah. Uh, Trish celebrating with Mr. McMahon. She turned on him like a week later, right? Yeah, WrestleMania. Um, watching Vince with Trish is always like one of my like favorite little memories, like him being just so over the top with Trish. <laughs> the best part was the ending when the court popped off the bottle. <laughs> yeah, and you see the like the champagne spilled on the floor. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was that was a nice touch too. Tabulate to um, McMahon busting open or whatever. Yes. I, I believe that was the the uh, the imagery they were going for. Yes, uh, we get Sugar Shane Helms. Um, was he basically uh, just ripping off Too Cool? No, not necessarily. Because one, they changed. <laughs> well, while I was going, did he make anything positive? <laughs> yes. Oh, what? Oh no, he shit. Oh, no, he shit on Scott Steiner. <laughs> I forgot. But uh, come on, you guys can't. You guys cannot. No one. Whether you're a co-host, whether you're a listener, you cannot expect that I'm going to review a WCW show and not be in full WCW hating patch character. So time out. I you would be disappointed as, if I wasn't. Time out. Time out. I think if we reviewed anything wrestling, you were going to be a hating past character. Excellent point. I probably would be. Just about any. There's not much that I probably wouldn't be that character about. I texted Pash Monday night because they opened the role with the um, 2015 Royal Rumble uh, triple threat match. Rollins, Brock, and Cena. <laughs> Cash replies two minutes later. He's like, this match fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, back to, back to night. So, so, was in three count along with Evan Courageous and Shannon Moore. They were basically a boy band ripoff because this was the popularity of Backstreet Boys and Sync. So, they would come out and, 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 and like do boy band songs and had boy band dances or whatever. But then Sh- but Greg, but Shane Helms, he would branch off into singles and he would challenge Shawa Girl the previous two months for the Cruiserweight title. He would finally win it next week. And then agreed he would debut a whole new look. They dubbed over the song that he had. He, they dubbed over the song that he originally had this time. And he created this basically whole new look and character. He ditched the, the green baggy jeans and had, went, to, went directly to Trump's. And who knew that he'd find stardom wearing green again not too much later than this? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, as soon as I heard the music, I was like, oh, this is just, they're trying. So basically no, they bring dub, in. It's dub, it's dub music. That's not the original song they had. Okay. Yeah, I was like, all right, so they bring in Don't Goldberg. Don't worry, Pash would, Pash would hate that music anyway. Yeah, whatever, whatever the real music was. Pull it up. I'll, I'll, tell, it it's, I'll tell you it sucks. Um, but Shane Helms gets a win in his last appearance in WCW. We got a real, and you know I love Booker T, real shaky, a real sloppy promo from him. He was, like, stumbling his words. I don't know if he was, like, reading or what, but he was, like, tripping over his words. The audio wasn't there in the beginning. I don't know if you noticed that. Like, they missed the first sentence or two that he said. Uh, Poor production value for the last Nitro. Um, 
And then we got Mike Awesome <coughs> and Lance Storm against Sean O'Hare and Chuck Palumbo, who are the tag champs. Why are you putting your championship belts on people named Sean O'Hare and Chuck Palumbo? <laughs> oh, my God. Time out. I'm going to back up real quick because you mentioned the production. This really yeah. doesn't have to do with production, but maybe the appearance. Now, again... Aaron being a nine, me being ten, you being a couple of days older. A few days, um, <laughs> So take us back to yesteryears. One thing I got to tip my hat off to, and again, I was ten years old, so I can't really recall what exactly. And I mean, I know I can watch the WWF shows, but the one thing I loved and was impressed by, literally, the, the crowd was all young people. Yeah, it was spring break. I, I mean, which just spring break. Right now, you can't go to spring break and fill a, like you're not going to fill up a Raw or a SmackDown. Maybe a Dynamite. I don't yeah. know. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of glad you said that because when I saw these spring break commercials, I thought of you every time. This is where Eric needs to be or, or should have been. Collect. <laughs> yeah, it, it is interesting, and I guess it just speaks to like that was that was like really just popular at the time for, for people in in like my age range like people between the ages of like probably 15 and, and 25 everyone watched wrestling at that time and a, a, a lot of people watched both a lot of people you know as much as i like the shit on wcw a lot of people were hardcore wcw fans at the time so it, it didn't surprise me seeing all of the young people there um just because that that was the time we were in like it was like a cool thing to be to be interested in and i think it was viewed as like like now i think and you guys probably would agree with this to a certain degree even though it may be more accepted i think to your average person they would look at that as kind of like a dorky thing to be a fan of like do you agree with that like the average person who does not watch wrestling would think that 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 is dorky now yeah, like it, you'd be you'd be thinking like, what do you watch that for? I feel like yeah. that the average person who doesn't watch wrestling would probably think that. Yeah, but so at a lot that, of people that watch it think that. Oh yeah, you're right. But at that time, it was kind of like a, a rebellious, edgy thing to be watching. So I feel like it, it really appealed to to that age group. But that's a, a really good observation that I really didn't even didn't even think of. Um, yeah, this is a quick. Tag match, though. Uh, I like the, the Canadian National Anthem getting played. I like that Lance Storm got to talk. <laughs> Wait, you like something? I did. I, ha- I feel like I had to at least throw one thing in there. I'm getting a lot of heat for, for my unbridled hatred, so I felt like I had to throw one good thing in there. And you know what? Another thing that I'll applaud, it was a really quick match, so it was over. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we got Trish and Vince backstage with Michael Cole in the in the role Michael Cole was was meant to play as an interviewer and nothing else. Uh, everyone where he's talking about everyone being worried at WCW and Vince tosses him out of the room. And then was that Stacy Keebler that that came yeah. out with Sean Stasiak? Yeah. I I don't even know if I remembered that she was not in WWE first. Oh yeah, she was a, she was at a. She's in WCW. Yeah, I did not remember that at all. Because my first thought was like, we got a knockoff too cool five minutes ago. Now we got a knockoff Stacey Keebler. And I was like, wait, I think that's actually her. Yeah, she, um, she used to date, she used to date uh, Richard's son. Oh, yeah, really? 
Mm-hmm. Ah, good for him. On and uh, off screen. Oh, they, they had like an on screen relationship too? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Um, but she's setting up the tattoo match Bam Bam versus Sean Stasiak. Sean Stasiak wins. Uh, the Beast from the East. It was a, a pleasant surprise, I feel like, to see him. Is that a guy that you guys look back on fondly? Eck, I feel like you, you look back on almost anyone fondly that has some roots in, in ECW. I look at his ECW stuff fondly. I don't think I've I, – I don't know enough of his WCW stuff to look at it fondly, if that makes sense. I mean but, just him. Like <clears throat> when, when he came out, you were like, oh, cool, bam, bam. Um, <clears throat> so, <clears throat> geez, I'm dying over here, guys. <laughs> I got it. You got the Rona? Um, no, nah, sorry. Probably not, not. Not funny to joke. It's bad humor to the listeners. But um, no, seriously. <laughs> seriously, I think the uh, one thing I should have probably disclaimed earlier in the show. Um, thought I had enough time, so I actually watched um, the last two episodes of Nitro simultaneously. And um, Bam Bam's ring gear was weird. Um, and not necessarily referring to this, uh, the final episode, I like that he kind of came out in what I'm assuming was like a tattoo parlor t-shirt, but the, the week prior he was wearing something weird. And, you know, it, it's kind of when I watched it, I was like, uh, this is like, I'm thinking like, uh, this is not, this is not Bam Bam throwing, uh, Spike Dudley into the crowd. This is not that Bam Bam. And then like the following week when he comes out, like sprints to the ring and he's got like the tattoo kit and he's coming out in a teacher. I'm like, Oh, okay. This is kind of a little more, more easy to swallow. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was a pleasant surprise to see Bam Bam. Did Bam Bam ever pop up in WWF after that? No, I do not believe so. Yeah. I, I didn't remember it either. And I, I didn't remember him being in WCW at that time either. Um, or the final Bam Bam note. One mm-hmm. of my my f- favorite, my my actual favorite Bam Bam mem- uh, memory comes years after him passing. Um, I'd say it's probably about three three and a half years ago. Uh, me and a couple of friends are in Asbury Park and we're bar hopping. And as we're leaving this um, this Irish bar, there's a um, hot dog truck out front. And there's a pretty gritty looking couple that is selling, selling the uh, hot dogs. And, you know, I'm all tuned up. And I said, I think I said, said to the guy either, did, did, um, does Bam Bam, does Bam Bam Bigelow still live around here? Mm-hmm. And I was, I wasn't like hundred percent sure if he had passed away or not. And it could have been due, due to being inebriated at the right. moment. The guy looks at me with a tear in his eye. He's like, Bam Bam pass. Like eight years ago, I'm like, oh my gosh! I, like, I, I apologize. I I I forgot. And he he gets all choked up. He's like, it's all good. He was a great guy. And he hands me the hot dog, and I was like, man, sorry for your loss. And like he he literally appreciated. Like it's almost like I wasn't pandering to him. I wasn't being a smartass, but I just like, sorry for your loss. And he really took it heartfelt. <laughs> you really delivered that. He passed eight years ago really well. <laughs> Oh my god! That might that might rival the Eric falling asleep during the Rumble and waking up five minutes later. Is it over yet? <laughs> yeah, he falls asleep at four. He wakes up. He's like, "Are we at like? Are, did we get to twenty eight yet? Like we're at six. <laughs> um, we get Commissioner Regal paying a visit to Vince wearing the WrestleMania seventeen jersey. Um, Cautions Vince against buying WCW. What's interesting is on Raw, 
Commissioner Regal was in a feud with Chris Jericho, and Chris Jericho put him in the walls of Jericho, dressed as Doink the Clown on Raw this night, which I don't know oh, if you, is, yeah, I don't I know remember. if you guys remember that. Who was dressed as Doink? Jericho? Jericho or? was. Oh, I, I don't recall that. That's going to give me some homework to watch during quarantine season. Yeah, they had a match at WrestleMania 17, and Jericho took him out dressed as Doink. Um and also, so a couple, I, I, I skimmed through the Raw from the same night, uh, this mor- a little bit last night and a little bit this morning, just to see if there was anything maybe like that I had forgotten about that was really good on Raw. Obviously, the, the purchasing of WCW overshadowed everything, but one little tidbit that I thought was kind of funny is Vince would be having the two TVs on backstage, and he's like showing Trish, like, "Oh, look at look at this on WCW." And at one point, he he points out Dustin Runnels, uh, well, Dustin Rhodes on WCW. He's like, "That's uh, that's Dustin Rhodes. He was here formerly as Gold Dust." And talk about embarrassing. He came to me telling me he wanted to get some big voluptuous breast implants. And I thought it was funny that one that like Dustin got a mention on this episode of Raw and that he brought up this thing that we've talked about on the podcast before. Um, And who knew, you know, 19 years later, Dustin would be part of a company that's trying to compete with Vince all these years later, you know, that his little brother would be part of like putting this other company on TV to rival him uh, on the same network. Right. As, w- as WCW used to be, right yeah. there on TNT. Mm-hmm. How, how, like, strange is that? Like, who would have seen it's that? It's wild. Coming? Wild um, for sure. Due, due to your hatred towards uh, Flair, mm-hmm. big respect to Dusty. He's had a lot of, lot of great promos. But it, you, you almost go, watched the, the Nitro of the week before. What a cringeworthy segment between Jarrett, Dusty, Dustin and Flair. It is it's a rough one. Yeah, well, yeah, I, a lot of what was going and on. And I would there say was, was Flair was not the, the biggest issue in it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another interesting thing, Raw when the first when Raw opens up, you see Vince sitting like backstage watching the TV and he points out the first thing that was on on the TV was Jeff Jarrett. Which I thought was funny that that was like part of his insult is like their show is opening with with Double J Jeff Jarrett, which I thought was funny. I'm trying to remember what shirt Jarrett was wearing, the slap nuts, slap nuts. t-shirt. A um, couple other things from Raw. Angle Benoit had a match that basically was announced that night for WrestleMania 17. Uh, way too much Limp Biscuit on this episode <laughs> of Raw. It was peppered throughout the show. I like couldn't get away from it. And I had to laugh at an XFL ad, which again, who would have thought almost 20 years later the XFL would be back and canceling their their season due to the uh the coronavirus outbreak, which which I didn't think he would do. Uh got to give Vince a little bit of credit for that for just canceling the thing and not trying to salvage it. Um also, I'm going to go to one more thing from Raw before we move back on to WCW. Maybe like the the standout thing to me, and Alo, I'm sure you remember this. Eck, I'm sure you remember this. Is Mick Foley showing up with his new book? Uh, Foley is good, and they have they he airs the little footage of himself and Linda McMahon with him signing a stack of documents while he was still commissioner before he was gone. And one of the documents that he signed 
as commissioner was that he would get to be a guest referee at WrestleMania at any match of his choosing, and he chooses to be the guest ref during the Vince-Shane McMahon match at WrestleMania, which I love this little aspect of, obviously we'll get to the the big swerve at the end with Shane actually buying WCW out from under Vince's nose, but also this with Mick Foley basically saying, Vince, you and I are enemies, and now I'm going to be the guest ref in your match with Shane. Like, the the loss is just piling up for Vince throughout the show. Like, I, I haven't watched Raw in a while, but, like, when's the last time you saw a story actually progress throughout a night for a character? Like, do, does it ever happen anymore? No. On Wednesdays. <laughs> okay, but not, not, in, uh, not in Stanford, Connecticut, though. Never. Never, okay. Uh, I loved this little segment. Uh, thought it was like a really nice touch in the middle of the show. We got a DDP promo, which I'm going to have another compliment. I thought this was a great DDP promo, like from the beach. He got like a little emotional, got a little choked up, thanking the fans and talking about, you know, his message of positivity. Like <laughs> DDP is, is something that never should have happened. But like if you if you believe in yourself and you work really hard, you can make it happen. I thought this was a really good promo from from DDP and maybe like one of the uh, the highlights I would say from from this episode of Nitro. And I'm not even the biggest DDP fan out there. I really like the whole look away from the camera aspect of it. You're positively page. Yeah, like not looking into the camera, cutting the promo, just like somebody sitting there watching him have a conversation. I, I think it was a really nice uh, production choice. Uh, Vince on the phone again, as he was throughout the night, talking about it's just about that time, which I guess could only mean he's gearing up to to address WCW. Uh, the Cruiserweight tag title match, uh, I was aggressively disinterested in this. Uh, the only... Th- the only thing I could say is there was a title change. I don't. I honestly don't even remember who the champions were and who won the title. You guys can refresh my memory. Was Rey Mysterio wearing jabos? <laughs> probably. And those damn horns. My God, I hate those damn things. But it was a prime time and Kid Romeo. Kid Romeo, I never saw again after this in the business. And uh, Kid, uh, Billy Kidman and Rey Mysterio, they win on the final night on Nitro. Um. Yeah, that was what it was. We got a Sting promo and probably another unpopular uh, position, but Sting is so corny. <laughs> I, I, I got to be honest. I don't get it. I never did. And people always talked about, like, oh, we needed to see the Undertaker-Sting match at WrestleMania. That, why? What? In general or just Crow? In general, I, I, I don't get the appeal of Sting in any way, shape, or form. It's, it's, the, two, it's the two guys that never left. Yeah, right. But, but, like, one guy I think was, as much as I don't like him now and wish he would go away, is, like, the greatest character of all time, probably. Like, there's no other character that I think has been portrayed, for the most part. Obviously, there were some down years in there, which we've talked about a lot. But like, hey, don't be disrespecting the biker guy. <laughs> but like a character that has been portrayed as magnificently for as long as it has, as the Undertaker, and then the other one is just Sting. I, I get the idea that they're the, they're the two guys that never left, but I just don't understand the appeal of Sting. I, I don't understand why anyone is like a rabid Sting fan. <laughs> Prep my brick up with you after hearing that. Can, can anyone sell me on why Sting? Is like beloved. 
Well, I don't care for crow-sting. I'll I'll say from restarting Nitro a year ago and watching, like, the first year straight, um, I I think both gimmicks were good. I I almost, and again, since I wasn't watching that stuff when it happened, um, I would almost say to a point he's he's underrated. Like, in in what way? Like, what, what is it you like about him? Uh, I, I thought his match perform his in ring work was good in in either either avenue as either character. I don't think his in ring uh, work changed, so I think you know it's really about the character. But yeah, I think his his ring work was really good. There was a lot of I think matches that I think go under the radar. When I was watching that um, year of Nitro Straight, I remember texting you about a few matches that I was like, oh, you know, if you you know, I don't know where you I knew you were on the fence of him or at least not a fan since you hate everything from the South. <laughs> but I, um, yeah, a lot of his stuff I thought was really good. So for you, the, the selling point about him is the, the matches. Yeah. And I think and not even just that. I mean, I think even like the early years at nitro, he, he was such a, he played the baby face role extremely well. I mean, if you watch that, I mean, like, Nobody could get sympathy like he did. Like the crowd really felt for him when he was in a match, when he was getting jumped, when he was getting jumped by um, the outsiders, when he was getting jumped by the horsemen. I mean, people felt for him. Tears, like it's, it was real to them. Everyone at, at spring break too. Hmm. Yeah. I, and for me, I mean, you you may have just like kind of made the point for me is like the the match is the least of what I'm interested in. Like, I'm interested in, like, can you talk? What is your character? Like, what am I actually watching you do? What is making me invest in your match? And, like, he gets, he, he starts talking on this Nitro, and I'm like, this doesn't doesn't appeal to me at all. Like, his delivery is not good. I think his his voice is kind of annoying. Uh, it just didn't well, appeal to me. Well, th- the main thing that worked with the, the Crow character was that him he didn't not talk. talking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, so, it's just that he cut a promo. I mean, except for like his ending line, his signature of like the only thing that's for sure about sting is nothing's for sure. Meanwhile, like the, the real thing about sting that was like, like that character just didn't fit him trying to hype up the crowd. That was the surfer sting. And if you would see, you know, bleach blonde hair and colorful paint and him, you know, hyping up or like hawking up and he's, you know, trying to, trying to get the people that are either in the crowd, the people at home. I'm telling you, you watch some of that earlier stuff. He did a, a pretty decent job of it. Fair enough. Um, yeah, you, you made a good case. It doesn't change my mind, but obviously there's nothing that's going to change my mind about this stuff at the moment. Um, we got another Ricky Rackman ad, this time for AOL 6.0. Like, my God. <laughs> America on, And they're calling it America Online, full name. Not even AOL yet. Uh, were either of you uh, America Online guys? Uh, my mom had it. That's what we had. Yeah, my mom had my, I think everywhere had it. My aunt's house, my mom, my dad. Just think, like, there's a whole generation of kids that really have no idea about AOL. Or nope. or AOL Instant Messenger. Oh god! Oh my god! <laughs> but that was like a way of life at the time. So weird. Definitely. How how much things have changed. Um, we get Mr. McMahon walking through the hall, about like making his way out uh, to the ring. We got Richard out. We got Sting out. Um, Richard wrestling in the T-shirt. Uh, 
I couldn't have cared less, but uh, what do you guys think about the, the final match that would ever air as a WCW broadcast? I thought the match was fine. Uh, a lot, All the matches on this show were cut short for the most part, but I thought they told a real good story, especially on commentary about how these guys were the two faces of the company, and, and especially with Sting hyping them up during his entrance, saying, like, oh, my, he never left. He's been doing WCW. He's so thick and thin. And... I, I, I thought like even the way he won with the whole stinger splat, well the superplex or whatever in the in the scorpion deathlock at the end, and in like the, the the show of respect post match right after he started tapped out, I thought it was great. And commentary put put over these two huge when the match was over as the two faces of the company. Yeah, and I guess for someone like me who like truly and and I'm not even being in character at this point, but like me at the time, just even as a kid hated WCW so much. Like, when I'd be flipping channels and come across TBS and it would be on, it just looked bad to me. It looked dark. It was, like, dim lighting. It didn't have, like, the entertainment value that I saw in WWF. I just always thought it was, like, crap. And then, obviously, when WCW kind of took off in, like, the mid-'90s and started kind of putting their foot on WWF's throat, I hated them even more. And like I said, they became my enemy. Like, I just, they could put these guys over for everything. I just, like, was so anti that whole thing. I did not care about either of these guys at all. Um, That there's just nothing about, like, I didn't get any sentimentality out of watching it. I wasn't, like, thinking how great this was to see these two guys be the ones to take them off the air. Just to me, I was like, ah, whatever. Who cares? So, Eck, like, as you said, you, you weren't, like, a big WCW guy growing up. You have, like, probably a newfound appreciation for it doing your, like, Nitro rewatch uh, over the last year or two, however long you've been doing it. Like, what are your thoughts on these two guys being their last match? Um, I, so, so my takeaway, Ornit, is um, I, a little bit of a spoiler. Um, Aaron posted on the, the podcast page how we were going to be reviewing this. And I had a negative taste on this match already because there was comments flowing on how, how, how bad Flair's performance was in this match. And Aaron put, made a good comment on how a year later he has a match with The Undertaker and his performance is much better. Um, so, like, knowing that, knowing the result, and I'll be honest, I said earlier in the show, there was um, two segments during the show where I stepped away from the TV. I actually walked away from the TV during this just because I kind of already knew, all right, this isn't, like, I've seen, when they show, like, highlights from this match, I've seen the end. I know how this, I I know what's going to happen. I know about the hug at the end, the show of respect. Um, I think it was great that Sting wins and especially it's even awesome because sting you know doesn't show up in wwe for 15 plus years after that um i thought like that was another nice little kudos like good to him i i love the fact that they main event and have a match against each other when they they had a match against each other on the first nitro correct that i don't Mm -hmm. know Uh, i'm not sure i know they were there in the first nitro um, I, I believe they had a match on the first Nitro for the um, the U.S. title. Um, what? And if I'm correct, I think Flair goes over. I think Arn helps Flair. Flair goes over. He retains the U.S. title. So I mean, I really love like you know they you know always like like it's it's a great return of the favor and it's a great paying homage back to the first episode. So uh, the match performance may not be executed well, but or or perfect, but. Um, yeah, the 
I, I think them having a match, them main eventing, is it, it, perfect. It gets a thumbs up from me. Um, yeah, and honestly, who else would you go out on? You know, like Ric Flair was WCW, um, as you guys alluded to earlier. Like, Imagine Sting. if Goldberg was roughing it. Oh, God. Thank God he wasn't on it. Although, I probably would have had some fun ripping Goldberg to shreds. Um, but then Vince comes out to close the show. Uh, this was like the... They're actually airing now the w, the WWF broadcast. Uh, we have JR and Heyman uh, I was good. announcing. The only time Heyman's voice ever on Nitro. Yeah. <laughs> um, Vince talks about being on TNN. And he accidentally called TNT TNN as well, which I thought was funny that he made that mistake. Um, he's basically like really rubbing their faces in it, saying he's going to have Ted Turner come out at WrestleMania to sign the papers on this deal and hyping himself up. And he's asking the crowd, like, who do you want to see from WCW? And... I got to say, any WWF fan that was cheering for Goldberg the way they were is a fraud. I believe he may have got the the largest pop. He did. And I'm like, you guys are all frauds. You guys all may as well have been in Panama Beach with all the other beer-drinking rednecks if you're cheering for the idea of Goldberg. I loved his use of uh, that their final show was at the Redneck Riviera. Uh, but then basically he said, like, I'll bury anyone who goes up against me. Like, I don't care who you are. Like, you're going to lose. And then this is when Shane shows up at Nitro, at the Redneck Riviera in Panama Beach, Florida. Vince's gulp will always be, like, a favorite, like, facial expression to me. Uh, such a great swerve. Uh, I, I don't think anybody could have seen this coming at the time. But Shane buys WCW out from under him, making their WrestleMania match, you know, a week later, even bigger. So your guys' thoughts on, like, the, the ending and kind of, like, the real, like, crescendo of this this whole thing? Well, I thought it was good. And a part I, I did enjoy was him naming off the WCW guy, Goldberg, Steiner, Lesnar. Like, you guys want to see him? And the crowd would share. The crowd, some, some there would be no response for some, or whatever. I, I love like his ego, like made him be like, oh, I'm a, I'm a make Ted Turner, bring, bring, bring down the contract to me mm-hmm. at WrestleMania. <laughs> like, like his ego was that big, and how Shane kind of put that into play, saying your ego, your ego got the best of you. So I, you, you didn't sign the contract. I signed the contract. So I thought it all came together really nicely. And like you said, the whole gulp moment. Anytime he does that. I will always pop for that because it's just like, oh my god, like, what's, oh my god, what's going on? Oh my god, I fucked up. Oh my god. So I'll, <laughs> I, 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 I'll always enjoy that aspect of it. Yeah, act your thoughts on the on the way it closed and the big swerve. Um, I I think it was good. I, I enjoyed it. Um, it, again, it's it's a, a clip we've all seen countless times. Whether you, you watch it on Raw live when it happened, or the few people that watch it on Nitro. I mean, none of us being. Uh, well, I guess Aaron Aaron watched the Nitro that that night, um, and then the countless uh, countless times that video package was played for an invasion storyline or the Monday Night Wars um, anthology of shows put together. So it's classic footage. I, I can't really nitpick it because it's kind of like um, there was like a, a good portion of 2000 I didn't watch during. Um, 
the Monday Night Wars, or I wasn't really watching wrestling, and I got back into it. So I mean, this is this is a, I, I don't want to nitpick it because it's it's a, a good good period for me when I look back on my fandom. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like a pretty epic development. Um, something that you know during the course of the Monday Night Wars, I don't know if anyone would have seen it happening. I think there may have been thoughts of like one company having to go out of business. I don't know if anyone pictured like one company buying the other. Uh, it definitely changed uh, the face of wrestling. Maybe not immediately, but obviously the the effects of this happening are felt like even 15, 20 years later. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was like a great way to end it. And when I said, I think I said on last week's show, when they were playing whatever the hell bands they were on the uh, WrestleMania 18 show. Yeah. When I was like, it makes me wonder how was I ever a fan of this company? I watch like this storyline take place. I'm like, okay, this is how I was a fan of it. It was actually really good storytelling and good performing and good characters. And it's obviously severely lacking in that company today. The entertainment is lacking out of World Wrestling Entertainment these days. It's funny how they were more entertaining when they were the World Wrestling Federation than when they're World Wrestling Entertainment. But uh, I thought this was kind of fun to go back and watch. Um, I hope you guys had fun watching it and hearing my negative WCW takes. Any like final thoughts from either of you on WCW or like this era of WWF or anything? Nope. Um, the only only takeaway, uh, I think even like this episode and seeing how there was a theme show, it was like the theme of the show was uh, Night of Champions. I mean, it is funny to see. You know, the few things that WWE has, you know, the the name of, like, Night of Champions, how they have used that as a pay-per-view, and how AEW Dynamite has done themed episodes. So, just always cool to rewatch the old stuff like that. Yeah, I had fun watching. Uh, It was an easy watch, a quick watch. Uh, Even, you know, watched probably 75% of the Raw that aired the same night. Uh, Alo, what is uh, next week's... Show is it the is it are we into like WrestleMania preview or is I don't yep. even okay yep so brush so brush up on current stuff so next week is the Mania preview on the ninth is the review and then there's a three week span of, of I'm excited to watch everything on April sixteenth is the Raw after WrestleMania nineteen ninety eight the week after on the twenty third ECW Billy Legal ninety seven and April thirtieth Backlash two thousand four man. Time is just flying by. We're already, like, talking about yep. being just about into May. Um, well, it was good to sit down and talk with you guys. I hope you're you're holding up during the quarantine. Well, Eck, Alo, I know, has not affected you quite yet. Um, no. They finally have his hand sanitizer at work, though. Finally. Okay. Wow. They're, they're really on top of it over at the post office. Def- definitely. <laughs> Only a month late. Um but yeah, I hope you guys had some fun listening to this show. If you uh, have any thoughts or comments on the show itself or anything we discussed, obviously feel free to reach out to us on social media. How can we be reached, Alo? Uh, Twitter, Matt Madness Pod. Instagram, Matt Madness Podcast. Okay, so I guess that is the show for Ek2Fly, Eric Trembicki. For Mr. Wednesday Afternoon Live, we call him Halo. <laughs> the ladies call him Balo. I am Ron Pashery Jr., and we will see you next week. Hop up the top rope, by the land with his elbow. Got him now, put him down right now, hit him with the palm handle. 
tuning up the band, y'all don't understand. Fist of Superman, it's a summer slam. Here we go again. Fans mocking man, man, I hate my balls. Shut the Vince man, it ain't safe to land off the cell. Fans love it, ain't hard to tell. Talking madness, awesome. Well, what I'm cooking, man, y'all off the smell.